Hey everyone, welcome to the Legendary Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Blore, and as always, I'm joined by Isadora Martin Dye. Hello. This is the podcast where we talk about all things legendary, legendary monsters, legendary people, legendary places, legendary things. Uh, and today, I think we're talking about piratey stuff. Maritime. Maritime things. Yeah. I don't know. Is it's that- really early. We So... Um, apologies for not getting this out on Wednesday, which is our normal day that we release. We have no real excuses other than we have very, very full, busy lives. And every once in a while, we forget what day of the week it is. Yeah. <laughs> this seems by, to be a, a very common... It trend. really is. It's it's not that... We just forget it's Wednesday. Yes. Um, um, it's I, Yeah, it's 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 difficult sometimes to, to, to fit... An extra two hours into your day, yeah, to do uh, to record your podcast. It is, but we love it, so we do it, yeah. even if it is not even. It's like seven o'clock in the morning, and coffee's on short supply. But I think we're talking about. I'm talking about something that I know a lot about right. already. Yes. kind of. Um, are you, or no. is this totally new no, stuff? This to is you? a new person for me. Okay, so. I'm talking about the practice of, and by the way, I did try and find out if this term was considered offensive, um, Shanghaiing people. And I think the universal thing is that it's not offensive because it was not a slur on anyone. It was like just legitimately a word to describe what was happening to people. Okay. I don't, does that make sense? I think so. It wasn't used as an insult. It was like a verb. Okay. Um, and basically it means to kidnap somebody very specifically to go and work on a ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I know a lot about it is because in a past life, when I was a different human, I was involved in writing a script about the practice. About sea slavery. Yes. It was an amazing script. Probably one of the best projects I've ever been involved in. Uh, to the extent that Martin Scorsese read it. Wow. It was very, very cool. Uh, he said it was too much like going to New York, which is why he passed. And then me and one of the other writers could never quite come to an agreement as to what to do with it next. Mm. So, like, I'm sure many amazing stuff that is sat in a uh, a closet somewhere. It's in a closet somewhere, collecting dust, when, in fact, it is one of... Yeah, one of the coolest things I've ever done and one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah. So, uh, bearing that in mind, uh, I would say a fair amount of information comes from my brain which makes it impossible to reference because it was 10 years ago when I wrote the script. But also I got a really, really good account from eyewitness2history.com and americanheritage.com. Very cool. We'll say on top of that, it does seem like the Americans tend to not write a ton about this uh, kidnapping and slavery practice that went for about 100 years unchecked. No. Because, I don't know, that'll make you guys look good. <laughs> I, I, I have no... Uh response or knowledge about this so but in defense of america i'm going to start with it where it happened in england yes so (laughs) (laughs) so it's um the previous term to it was apparently called impressment uh, which was commonly used by the british navy since the 17th century especially in times of war Mm -hmm. basically it's um getting caught up in the draft kind of deal okay like for vietnam you just your number rolls in yeah they, and they just put you on a boat yeah if you were a likely candidate you would have been thrown on a ship okay basically told to work it as we started having fights with napoleon at the beginning of the 19th century mm-hmm. 
there was many, many more needs to fill these warships. So it was very much a naval thing at the beginning. Yeah. Versus like, um, so anyway, I didn't realize this, but uh, it is also partly responsible for why they think there was some, it was a much lesser reason for the American-British War. The Revolutionary War, the yeah. other one. No, the Revolutionary War. Oh, okay. The one where you went bye-bye. Where we left the Revolutionary yeah. War, yes. <laughs> uh, because the War of 1812. Yeah. Because uh, there was an aggressive campaign of retrieving uh, deserters in England. Okay. So those that they felt like were deserting ships. There was mm -hmm. this big campaign to grab them, which included stopping and searching American merchant ships that were leaving mm -hmm. uh, in case British soldiers were hiding on out them. on them to get away from having to fight in the Napoleonic Wars. Mm -hmm. But they often claimed that they were American citizens, mm -hmm. but there was very little proof for those yeah. kind of claims. Yeah. And they were usually ignored by the British. And so a lot of Americans ended up being... Okay. Taken back to... England. Taken... Well, they never left. They were... Yeah. But... but um, and it helped increase tensions mm. between the two countries was that England wasn't respecting like the citizen rights of America. Okay. Um, which I had honestly... I didn't know that. No knowledge of that no. bit. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, very. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a story. Wow. From Robert Hay, who is... This is actually his first-hand account. Um, and this is the one that came from eyewitnesshistory.com. Mm -hmm. And it's his account of uh, how he ended up aboard a British merchant ship. Okay. Um, so it's a bit of a verbose, overly, oh, it's a bit of a long one, okay. but it's interesting. Um, it's not too bad. So this is Robert Hayes. And as they put it, we join his story as he walks through a London neighborhood. As you do. London, I... <laughs> London, well known for being a coastal city. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Cause that's how everyone gets. Yeah. Thames. Don't forget. Mm. So lots of ships. Oh yeah, there's the a Thames. river. Yeah, there's a big, really big river, river that connects to the ocean. <laughs> there's a big river. Yeah. In fact, London's entire reason for being is that it was a big port city. Whoops. Okay. All right. I was when crossing Tower Hill, accosted by a person in a seaman's dress, who tapped me on the shoulder, inquiring in a familiar and technical strain, "What ship?" I assumed an air of gravity and surprise, and told him I was presumed he was under some mistake, as I was not connected with shipping. The fellow, however, was too well acquainted with his business to be thus put off. He gave a whistle, and in a moment I was in the hands of six or eight ruffians, who I immediately dreaded and soon to be found to be a press gang. They dragged me hurriedly along through several streets amid bitter excretions bestowed on, uh, amid bitter excretions bestowed on them, um, expressions of sympathy directed towards me, and landed me in one of their houses of rendezvous. I was immediately carried into the presence of the lieutenant of the gang, who questioned me as to my profession. I made some evasive answers to the interrogations, but my hands being examined and found to be hard with work, and perhaps a little discoloured with tar, I was remanded for further examination. Some of the gang then offered me spirits and attempted to comfort me. Um, the very scoundrel who first laid hold of me put on sympathetic look and observed what pity it must be to be pressed. Such sympathy from such a source was well calculated to exasperate my feelings, but to think of revenge was a folly. In a short time, I was reconducted for further examination before the lieutenant, who told me I was in his hands and would assuredly be kept as I might make a frank confession of my circumstances. 
It would save time and ensure me a better treatment if I was to come clean. I therefore acknowledged that I had been a voyage to the West Indies and come home a carpenter of the ship. His eyes seemed to brighten at this intelligence. I'm glad of that, my lad, he said. We are very much in want of carpenters. Step along with these men and they'll give you passage on board. I was then led back the way I came by the fellow who first sees me and put aboard a pincer at Tower Wharf and by midday I was securely lodged on board the Enterprise. Which, by the way, makes it suddenly sound like a Star Trek thing. Star Trek, yeah. Um, As soon as the boat reached the ship, I was sent down into the great cabin, in various parts of which tables were placed covered with green cloth, loaded with papers and surrounded with men, well-dressed and powdered. Such silence prevailed and such solemn gravity was displayed in every countenance that I was struck with awe and dread. No sooner did I enter the cabin than every eye was darted on me. A short sketch of what had passed between the press officer and myself had been communicated to the examining officer, for when I was ushered into his presence, he addressed me thus. Well, young man, I understand you're a carpenter by trade. Yes, sir. And have you been at sea? One voyage, sir. Are you willing to join the king's service? No, sir. Why? Because I get much better wage in the merchant service, and I should be unable to agree with the captain, as I am not at liberty to leave him at the end of my voyage. As to wages, he said, the chance of prize money is quite an equivalent in obedience and respect shown to your officers that is all that is necessary to ensure you good treatment. Take my advice, my lad, continued he, and enter the service cheerfully. You will then have bounty and be in a fair way for promotion. If you continue to refuse, remember you are aboard and you will be crept as a press man and treated accordingly. I faultingly replied that I could not think of a more engaging serv- I could not think of engaging in any service voluntarily when I knew of a better situation elsewhere. He said no more, but making a motion with his hands, I was seized by two marines, hurried along towards the main hatchway with these words thundering in my ear. Pressed men go to below. What injustice and mockery, I thought, but my doom was fixed and I was thrust down amongst five or six score of miserable beings who, like myself, had been kidnapped and immune to the confined and unwholesome dungeon of a press room. Wow. People didn't talk. I don't believe even for a second that that conversation. <laughs> I, I just can't. I, whenever I read accounts like that, whenever, whenever you read accounts like that on this podcast, I cannot imagine that someone would be able to hold a conversation like that. It just seems like they use so many words <laughs> to say so little. Um, that was really interesting, though. Yeah, and I will say, I think quite an early version of it, or I, I couldn't find an exact date of it. I think this is quite an early version because it was to do with the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. So also, I think, as crazy as it sounds, this is when it was a little more civilized. Yeah, So that yeah, because it sounds like they... Well, like they took him to the a club, like a like some, like before. Or did they take him directly to the ship? So, what we're going to get into is this idea that boarding houses were like the okay. So, um, basically, uh, most of these stories begin with, and then I had a drink. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's one here about William Davis, who was a cabinet maker, um, in Utah. And he headed to Northern California. We're now going to primarily stick in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went towards uh, San Francisco in search of better job it, jobs, left his family. Um, unfortunately, he cho- chose to quench his jo- uh, thirst at a tavern, Waterfront Saloon. Mm. Um, and he 
uh, woke up on a ship. So this was the this was so there was kind of quite a few ways that you'd get Shanghai depressed. Um, the word crimp is what you would call the person who did it. Okay. So you were a crimper, and that's actually the title of the script I wrote was crimping. Oh. Um, so uh, if you were a crimper, um, in I guess in England it was only used as a term who someone who kidnapped you in america it also could mean that you were the middleman okay so i'm kind of going to go through a few of the different and put them in terms that people might understand today so there were crimpers that were like agents uh-huh. so it really was quite a simple transaction you found a good carpenter you knew of ships that needed a good carpenter mm-hmm. you took a cut for finding good guy work good ship work yeah it wasn't they they weren't popular people, even if they were doing it legally, legally and really above kid, board. Yeah, without kidnapping. Unfortunately, most I will was... <laughs> point out most of this is actually very legal. Okay. Yeah. Um, nothing really that they did was considered too illegal. Mm. Um, then there was the Madame sexual trafficking kind of idea, mm-hmm. which was that uh, someone would go to a boarding house. They would stay there. Then they would be kind of almost given a presented with a bill that was way too big that they could ever pay it. Mm -hmm. And then the crimper would pay it kind of on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And that meant they were indebted to go work on the ship. Yeah. Um, I think, although I was trying to figure out, there's a British game called Pennies that you play with drinking, which is... Where if you drink a drink and it has a penny, if you if someone can drop a penny in your glass without you noticing, without you noticing, uh, you have to down the whole drink. Okay. And I think, and you'll sometimes see. I don't know if you've seen tankards where the bottom's glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where it's like really thick glass. Bottom's really thick glass, but the sides might be metal still. Uh no, then I have not. Okay, so one of the reasons why you'll see those sometimes and. Is so that you can actually lift your glass up and double check that there was not a coin at oh. the bottom of your glass. Okay. Because the idea being that once you accepted the drink and you took the drink and accepted the money that was in the drink, uh-huh. you were then... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course... It became a drinking game. Yeah, it became a drinking game. Uh, so then some of the other ways were straightforward drugging. Yeah. Um, have a drink, wake up on a boat. Have a drink, wake up on a boat like poor William Davis. Yeah, poor man. Um... And some of them were much more violent than that. Have a drink, get beaten around the head, wake up on a boat. <laughs> or the last one was... It seems like a lot of extra steps. Simply, they just wandered around the streets looking for people that had already passed out and just threw them on the boat. Oh, that seems... Yeah. So these are some of the ways, but basically what would happen is you'd wake up on a boat yeah. in the ocean, and what do you do? You have to work. You have to work. Yeah. Because you either work or you get thrown overboard. Right. So, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's I, a very effective form of slavery. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I mean, you don't have much chance of escape. No. Um, the reason why it became known as Shanghai because it is a misnomer that they would all end up in Shanghai. Oh, okay. Um, is that Shanghai basically being on the other side of the world would be the hardest place to come home from? Okay, even though they were <clears throat> kidnapped by their countrymen. Yeah, I think that there was. So there's a comment in, I think in AmericanHeritage.com or one of the things I read that said that a lot more ships went to Shanghai than came from home from there. Okay. Which I don't really understand because... Like they went and then stayed? 
And maybe they went and then stayed, or a lot of ships got wrecked on the way there. I'm going to say, like, the trip from America to Shanghai is fairly lengthy. Yeah, I think maybe it was just more that it was a super dangerous... Like, if you ended up on a ship in New York, which is... So it happened... Three major cities that happened were Portland, San Francisco, and New York. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking if you ended up shanghai on a ship in New York Mm -hmm. to go to England... Yeah. Chances are you'd be back home. Yeah. At some point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but our poor uh, drugged Davis, who was kidnapped in San Francisco, who was kidnapped in San Francisco, uh, and then his ship also got wrecked. Uh, took him ages to get home. Oh, bad luck! By which point, his wife had declared him dead and moved. Uh, well, hadn't he left them in Utah anyway? No, he brought them to the West Coast. Okay, but then he went looking for a better job to come home with some more money. Right. Yeah. And just like disappeared never came home because he got kidnapped yes he went out to buy milk and never came back yep and uh obviously he didn't want to end up on one to shanghai or australia those were kind of the two ones uh there was a guy named edward gurin who was sightseeing in baltimore okay um and he was invited by a man that they met to go and visit his yacht Mm. um wasn't a yacht (laughs) (laughs) this was not like a 1910 yachting party that he went on a shame really uh yeah (laughs) not a yacht so and i will say that that, like if it isn't already obvious we've talked about two carpenters i think but generally they just took anyone yeah yeah it was not a skilled job (laughs) to go and swap decks and stuff like that things only got worse did they offer him that carpentry job first to be like you can you can work on the ship as the ship's carpenter, or you can like the first guy did. Yeah, the first guy got that. The story offer. that you read. Yeah, okay. the story I read. He yeah. got that offer. The carpenter does seem like a useful person to have on a yes. ship. Yes. So they said, kind of join the British Navy, come in as a carpenter. We'll offer you a good career path. Yeah. He said, "This is ridiculous. If I step off the ship, I think you made the wrong choice. I, I mean, w- not to judge someone's." Yeah. Choices in I, life. I think uh, in that situation, I I would probably see the the lack of options that I actually had because you're there in a boarding house with a bunch of people. Oh no! Just... By that point, he was on the ship. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, then even even more so. <laughs> then you have no options, and it's either be the ship's carpenter or and get on with people, live above board, yeah. probably get fed, or or slop the decks. Be a slave who lives down below yeah, ship. Yeah, I, I mean. Not to judge. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad he's he stuck with his. And he obviously survived and got home because yeah. he wrote an account about yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm glad that he stuck to his guns. He obviously felt confident in that decision. I'm just saying that I wouldn't feel confident no. in that decision. No. Um. So this was, I, I mean, so this started in the early 1800s and it went through all the way to the early 1900s. Um. So, and and it got much more violent, I guess. Mm. So once the gold rush started. Yep. All those people who would normally have just been kind of hanging around willing to slop decks for no money. We're no longer willing to do that. They went and looked for gold. So that put pressure on it. And then, mm-hmm. of course, um, America had a civil war. Yeah, that happened. Um, that happened. So that that removed Incre- a lot of bodies. Yeah. And also there were a lot of ships destroyed. So mm-hmm. getting your ship out and traveling yeah. made you a lot more money. Yeah. Like people were very desperate to – there was less supply of ships. So mm-hmm. the demand for – the goods that the ships could bring in was higher. Higher. Also, you know, the, America wasn't really hot on the idea of banning slavery at this point. No. And it was 
this was a, I mean, obviously today, very much recognized to slavery what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it was considered a very gray area. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it became kind of more and more of a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and in the 1948 was when everyone started emigrating to go and look for gold. Um, <laughs> so some 770 ships carrying 28,000 gold seekers rounded the horn from eastern ports in 1849. You said 1948. Yeah, so... So not that. So 100 years before that? 1848. Right? 18, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I just wanted to make So sure. in the year before, four ships had gone to California. Mm -hmm. The next year, it was 770. <laughs> just to give you an idea of the gold... That's insane. The gold rush and what that meant. I just thought that was a really cool, like... Um, from England, they were leaving from England, or just no from around America, okay. um, Maine, Virginia. Okay. Um, oh, these were oh, people, people moving. Yeah, we're America. pretty much primarily stuck okay. in America now. Um, so these were these were people that would have normally worked on ships on the west, east coast, mm -hmm. suddenly all got in a boat and went to the west coast. and went to the west coast to look for gold. Um, so we start to see that by kind of the late 1800s people are starting to try and figure out how to crack down on it mm -hmm. because it's it really reached a point where it was very legitimate there were a couple of preachers there was a woman guy named father taylor who was very vocal in trying to preach about not kidnapping and oh, enslaving yeah. people mm -hmm. But um, it was considered as a fairly legitimate thing. There was even a hierarchy. So at the top were the shipping masters and boarding masters. Um, the shipping master was charged with producing a crew. Um, and he then would work. And this was, like I said, very kind of yeah, structured. I, yeah. um, he would work with the boarding housekeeper for a supply of sailors. Um, the boarding master would provide food, shelter, and liquor and entertainment for the men awaiting to go into the ships. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really a very close relationship there. So, and that was where this whole, you have to work on the ship for a low wage thing because we've put you up with booze and liquor and food yeah. and entertainment for a while, uh, became a thing. So that was the first way that they tried to um, crack down on it, which was that they drew up a thing that said they weren't allowed to go on a ship without being prepaid two months wages. Okay. Those two months' wages usually were found their way to the crimper, not to the sailor, mm -hmm. in exchange for the thing. Plus, the captains were usually playing a commission to the person who brought the <laughs> kidnapped person there. So the crimpers yeah. were, were all making out some money. Yes. Um, it's impossible to know at the height of it how many people were crimped mm -hmm. because once you were on the boat, you were... There's no record of you. No, and you were all kind of the same. But it was at least, they reckon, 20% of crew wow was crimped um and that it was a complete monopoly shanghai crimpers had a complete monopoly over it um it got really really dangerous at one point uh they would just have people standing in the street and they would just grab you there's an article here about somebody who actually grabbed 
one of the captains of another ship was out drinking <laughs> <laughs> and he was like drunkenly wandering through the streets of New York and uh, someone grabbed him, threw him onto another ship. When he sobered up the next morning, he went, hey, wait, like, <laughs> I do this. I'm on, I'm on, I'm, yeah, I'm a part of this. <laughs> Uh, so they put him on a boat and he... Oh, they sent him back? Yeah, he got sent back. To, he was actually dropped off at Sandy Hook in oh, New really? Jersey. Yeah. Which I thought was just... That's insane. And they were like, whoops, sorry. Sorry. Uh, so weirdly, the two people who were best known for this were both called Kelly. Okay. There was Bunko Kelly and Shanghai Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, both working out of San Francisco. Um, they were head of basically the most famous crimping gangs. Um, and one of them uh, worked very closely with a woman named Miss Piggott. Yeah. And this is where the whole trapdoor thing started. Have you heard of this? Because this is one of the things that I knew most about Shanghai. No. So they literally built trapdoors in these boarding houses mm-hmm. in so that they could just kick the drunken, drugged-up person through a trapdoor into the tunnel <laughs> below, where the the gangs would just sweep the tunnels. Uh-huh. Oh, and pick them up. Pick and them up, them. and the pick tunnel would lead directly to the. It was. It was so. It sounds like a well-oiled machine. That's it. It was so well. Yeah, they they had a they had an idea for everything. Yeah, um, and then it got even worse, which is they'd actually go to the boats and kidnap people as the boats returned. Mm-hmm. They would kidnap people coming off, off the, boat. the boat. Oh my god! <laughs> um, just put them straight. So you say could just commonly be pressed over and over I know. again. This is one of my favorite ones. So this is Shanghai Kelly in 1875, um, at a time of a particularly low supply um, of people. Of people, uh, he held a birthday picnic aboard a ch- chartered sidewheeler. He attracted guests from the entire. And Bancocado, which I assume must be a region of San Francisco, um, drinks aboard the craft were free, as promised. They were also drugged. He delivered 90 men to three vessels, um, assuring the captains that once they're sobered up, they'd be fine. Mm. And once he delivered all the 90 men, on his way back, he spotted some survivors of a wrecked <gasps> clipper of Point Conception, rescued them, returned to the wharf, being held as a hero for rescuing the thing, and mm. no one noticed that he'd failed to come back with the 90 people <laughs> he went out with originally. Um, <clears throat> okay, so it did obviously start to subside. Yeah. Uh, in 1884, Congress pa- passed a law banning all advance payments of sailors' wages except when made voluntarily to dependent white relatives. Um, and then there was uh, there was a really... I, I mean, I, I've never heard of him. I'm assuming you've never heard of him. Probably not. Andrew Furseth, who was like actually almost single-handedly the person that kind of, I guess, stopped this whole part of slavery. Mm. Um, he had apparently drifted into the labor movement as naturally as a ship goes with the tide before. Very ominous. I know. Um, so he did a really, really good job. Um, he was helped along by the fact that steamships were beginning to appear and they actually required much more skilled workers. So mm. you couldn't just throw a drunken Anybody. transient on the <laughs> boat. and uh, So uh, it helped along with that. They also then built a, in 1904, they built the largest and best equipped sailor's home in New York where men could stay in safety and obtain ship's berths without having to part with their wages delivered to the boarding masters. Um, and uh, there was still a, a loophole, which was that even though the prepayments had to be made to relatives, if there was a previous creditor, they took 
So then the boarding houses would register as creditors mm. for someone. Oh, okay. So when they got prepaid, it was like they had to prepay <clears throat> off their debt before. Gotcha. So it was a very similar. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that loophole was closed in 1915. Wow. So that was the last kind of real time that there was any. Obviously, it's impossible to say that stuff like this is gone because yeah. <laughs> it's still not. It's still not gone. I'm sure it's happening around the world. Yeah, it's difficult to to know when and if that happens because you're on a ship. Yeah, but um, if you are ever in Portland, which one, Maine or Oregon? Oregon. Okay. Um, the Shanghai tunnels are a very famous oh. thing, um, and they're all mo- mainly located underneath Old Town Chinatown. Um, and they connect to the main business section. Hmm. Uh, they connect many of the basements of many hotels and taverns to the waterfront. Um, and uh, officially, they were built to transport goods from ships docked on the front mm. to taverns Offici- and stuff. Officially. Um, allowing businesses to avoid streetcars and train traffic. Obviously. But not for trafficking people. No. Definitely um, not. I, there's... Um, there is a, a one historian has said is there was no evidence that the tunnels were used for this. Um, and that they were specifically built for moving people in and out of the city. No, there's no evidence that they were used for moving okay. people in and out. Um, but uh, they'd still do Shanghai Tunnel tours. Um, yeah, why wouldn't you? Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I mean... Like... But I, it's kind of a myth. I, I, think it, I think the fact that these... Tunnels. I think to say that these tunnels are primarily used for moving mm. people was is probably not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like I said, I've actually found amazingly little acknowledgement in American history that this was a thing. I didn't. I mean, I think we may have talked about it during like maybe when we were learning about the Civil War because I think it ended, it actually happened quite a bit because we had two navies at the time. Okay. And I think Union and Confederate soldiers, if they were captured, were often pressed into the other into, into service. Yeah. Um, I think, but that could also be like a false memory. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it it is an interesting thing that happened. It definitely happened. It definitely affected a lot of people's lives. There's many, many accounts, like so many firsthand accounts of it, because mm. um, a lot of them did come back alive. Yeah, because the gang- maybe that's why maybe that because you were. Because they needed people to work on. I mean, you still needed like they they kidnapped you for a reason. Like you they like you needed to. They needed people to work on the ship. Mm, he trying to justify kidnapping. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Uh, no, that's this I mean, is a hot 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 take. No, that's why that, that that's I'm assuming that most of these people ended up coming hot like back. yeah they did. Um, which is like, uh, they did. So there's. Which might be why it's not something that's talked about. And let's face it, life was a lot tougher back then in that sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. you ended up on a ship for a couple of years, you just suck it up and Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. No, the fact screaming and crying like But it does, it does, I mean, uh, I mean, it does say that it has led to a lot of phrases that people use. So pressed. Yeah. I was pressed into something. Oh, yeah. Or a pressed gang. Uh-huh. Um, that's like a fairly common, and that's from there. And even to say something was shanghai Yeah. Usually means taken. Yeah. Now in... Like, vernacular. Vernacular, but it comes from that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've certainly used that expression before. Yeah. 
while it's not something that is well known, yeah, actually it's and the term Shanghai only came from the fact that a a lot of ships went to Shanghai and never mm -hmm. came back. Okay, um, I I didn't know if it was like there were a lot of instances of ships from Shanghai. No, it, pressing people. No, it, not at all. And actually, that's one of the major arguments for why it's not a racist term. Oh, because it wasn't actually people from Shanghai. It was, it was nothing to do with being a slur on people from Shanghai. Yeah, there it's, was never just, any implication. It's so weird that that would be the the term that ended up being used. I guess. Yeah, there like, was why never, not like Australia? Like I. Yeah. You're getting Australia. Well, there weren't as many ships going to Australia at this time. There were ships going to Australia. Was it still a prison colony at that point? I don't know, but Shanghai was the major... The one. And it was the West Coast, so... Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that was being shanghai Okay. Very interesting. Um, And I think pretty legendary. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's um... Doesn't seem real. Like, you could go... Can you imagine now if you just went, well... Yes, I can because yeah. it happens probably more frequently than it should. Yeah, I know. Human particularly if you, particularly if you're women. Yeah, human trafficking is definitely still a problem. I know. I, I know. No, I can't imagine waking up on a boat. Well, just the absolute hopelessness of it. That'd right? be terrifying. Like, because you can't. It's got to be the world's most effective prison. Yeah, it's a, it's a floating prison. Yeah. And you either work or you die. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I definitely uh, don't like that very much at all. And I think it, I can't think of another instance where as many men were perhaps sold into state human trafficking. Uh, well, besides American slavery. No, I'm saying I'm saying like besides what I would consider slave, like what we think of as slavery, yeah. like. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean. Certainly, you could maybe make an argument that the like enforced drafts are a, maybe yeah maybe a similar sort of <clears throat> yeah that's true actually you thing. could probably make that argument um, but no I I mean because because I didn't I think I, I knew that it was a thing that happened in antiquity yeah. um, but I didn't realize how prevalent it was in America as, yeah. as a as a as a yeah. thing cool that's very interesting all right tell me about your pirates okay I'm gonna talk about one pirate. A sort of a brief history of Sir Francis Duke. Okay. He's an Englishman. You know who, you, surely you know who Sir Francis Duke is. Duke or Duke. Drake? Drake. Yes, I know who Sir Francis <laughs> Drake is. I read Duke, even though I wrote Drake down. Sir Francis Drake. Yes, I know who Francis Drake is. Um, he is very, very famous. He's very, and he's very famous, and I don't nearly go into his exploits. I use the word exploits. Uh, sort of tongue in cheek because he was. It sounds like he was maybe not a very good person. I think he may have been as close to like the Johnny Depp character as you could. Really? Because yeah. what I had read about him, he was seemed to be a lot more celebrated than a like a Johnny oh, Depp. Oh, oh yeah, be. absolutely celebrated. A, but I mean, because he is a sir, rakish. Ah, uh, yes, a, a little bit of a rogue. A rogue. Okay, because he did catch Elizabeth's eye. Yes, I um, think he was quite. I meant when I said like that, not like the. I meant like quite dashing, charming, exotic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So yes, I my first note is that he was Elizabeth the first favorite pirate. Um, <laughs> I think they very kind. He's a, he was a naval officer in the in Her Majesty's Royal Navy, but I think the kind like calling him a naval officer is a bit like kind. Like technically, yes, 
he did serve in the military, but he did uh, quite a few things before that that were sort of like didn't seem super above board. If you can't beat them, join, join them. <laughs> I think was the attitude towards it, Drake. It seems like he started life as a privateer, yeah. which is just a nice word for a pirate, <laughs> and then was sort of like picked up because he did some some very. Uh, as you say, dashing maritime exploits. <laughs> and the queen was like, I want you to be the commander of my navy. Oh, there's rumors that they had an affair as well, which I don't believe, but... Were there really yeah. rumors of that? I mean, it was the 1500s. Maybe. I don't know. No, I mean, that was only because she obviously had a big old... A big old crush on her. Crush on <laughs> But, okay, so he was born in Tavistock uh, between 1540 and 1544. Uh, so he's a Devonshire. He's a Devonshire boy. Aww. Um, the best. The best. Absolute best. I Just imagining Roger, like uh, any of the locals from the village on, on a boat. <laughs> it's really funny to me. He was born into a privateering family. Um, and they were obviously based out of Plymouth. And at 20 years old, he was uh, given command of his own ship. So he was very young and grew up on boats, around boats. And became what very a precocious little boy. Yes, yes. At the, at the young age of 20, he started dipping his toes into the fledgling slave trade. As you um, do. And immediately started violating Spanish law. He would go into into ports, uh, kidnap a bunch of people, and then go to Spain to sell them, which was actually against the law in Spain at the time. Okay. Um, which I thought was interesting. Selling them was against the law, or kidnapping or taking them to Spain. Se selling your captives was against the law in Spain. From what okay. I, from what I gleaned from this article. So it has to be people that are willing to be sold. I. Guess, <laughs> I guess so. It seems that like you could uh, certainly word that in a better way. Okay. Um, and so he drew the ire of the Spanish military, and during one fateful trip to Spain, he was trapped by militants, and most of his crew was killed. And it was just he and his cousin escaped. I believe it was his, his cousin. And so this sort of gave him a very uh, a long lasting hatred of of Spaniards as and and their their monarchy. He was okay. not a big fan of King Philip. Was his cousin named Walter? Um, no, it was not. It's a Walter Drake, I think. Well. Uh, his last name wasn't Drake. His last oh, name okay. was like something something English. But he wasn't as handsome as Francis Drake, no. so he so, wasn't as famous. So after that, that's when Elizabeth was like, "I like your spunk, young man." <laughs> um, <and laughs> you are a handsome man who so, only dabbles in slavery. <laughs> and so she she brought him onto the Privateers Commission, which is sounds like a very fancy way of saying legal piracy. Yeah. You basically act as a pirate under the command of the queen, and therefore it's not illegal. Yeah. Um, and he would conduct, again, she would send him to Spanish ports, um, including it, like, because Spain had a lot of ports in South America at the time, so okay. he would frequently venture between South America and England. Um, in 1572, he captured the port Nombre de Dios, uh, okay. which is a major Spanish port in South America, and he took a bunch of treasure back, and Elizabeth was like, "Yeah, I really like, I really like all that treasure as well." So he just kept doing her favors. Yeah. Um, and he, I think after that capture, she awarded him the title of leading privateer, head pirate, head pirate, head pirate. Um, Who says that Queen Elizabeth I didn't have a sense of humor? <laughs> In 1577, um, he led another uh, expedition to South America, and. Um, navigated the Straits of Magellan. And this is, he ended up circumnavigating the globe. He was the first English person to mm -hmm. sail all the way around the globe. And uh, he didn't fall off the edge. And he didn't fall off the edge. Wow. No. no, he didn't fall off the dinner plate. Um, <clears throat> that year was uh, fraught with chaos for him. Um, he was leading a 
Well, yeah, as, you, as you expect when you circumnavigate the glow, I and as a, as a pirate. As a pirate, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. A little bit more chaotic than usual, maybe. <laughs> um, he was traveling with five, with four other ships in his fleet, um, and he expected one of his commanders to be trying to mute near against okay. him. Um, so he had them executed. They stopped at a port, and he had him arrested and executed. I don't know under what sort of jurisdiction he could have done that. I'm assuming it had to be an English port somewhere. No, I'm pretty sure if someone was mutinying against you, yeah. that was like considered all over the world as being... Just, a big no-no. Okay, okay. And, like, and you could just go into a port and be like, this is a mutineer. Please have your finest headsman come come take his... Yeah, I think it would probably oh, be... Okay. I mean... People really liked captains of, of ships. There was they like, did oh. also... They had very little qualms about just killing people. That's true. <laughs> In the 16th century, people were just super into the killing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, of the other five ships, two sank in a storm... Uh, one went back to England without, I just, just, I just didn't tell him. <laughs> um, and the other one disappeared and no one knows where or how or why. <laughs> His ship, which was called the Pelican, I yeah. believe at the time, was the only ship to make, make the, the, the trip unscathed. Um, he spent a few more years plundering Spanish ports. Again, really just not into the, to the Spanish. Oh, the English were really not into yeah, the Spanish. Yeah, specifically not Spanish ports. I mean, the... Sorry, not ports in Spain. Okay. Ports in South America. Okay. Um, That's a long trip to be like... He just kept bouncing back and forth, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, he did this for like a decade. I'm thinking he aged quickly. I'm thinking I, it's at 20... A, a very stressful job. I'm thinking at 20, he was probably dashing and... Yeah, and by the time and he youthful, was 25, he, uh, he was, looked like he, he was haggard. Looked like he'd done a few. I don't think um, spending time on a ship not good for your skin, really. A no. lot of sea, salty air and sun. That's where the sea dog yes, thing comes from. Yeah. Also, no, no citrus, so you have wooden teeth like George mm, Washington did. Yeah, I again George I, Washington. I think in his younger age days, very attractive, dashing young young man. Yeah. By the time he was the president, he was a haggard figure. Yes, it was hard to age then. Yes. Now men age quite well. Yeah, well, it was easy to age in the old uh, Yes, yes. You yes. just <laughs> aged very difficult in a very difficult yes. way. Yes, um, yes. He um, actually did spend a little bit of time in San Francisco, too. So I'm assuming oh. he probably had a few men pressed. I'm sure he service. did. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, no. In the 1600s? I mean, yes, but then it would have just been... Kidnapped. It wouldn't have been called... I, I think there was... It would have just, been, would have just been, you're a slave... Rowing my ship. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe a little bit. It's a different... Less glamorous. Same thing. Different verbiage. <laughs> um, and he founded New Albion, which is... Also, I don't think there was anyone in San Francisco no. well, in they, 15, Native, 16 Native Americans, maybe? Yeah, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, actually, yeah. the battle between a Native American tribe and Francis Drake might make for a great film. Yeah. But I think that he would have come out... <laughs> on top, because he was the power of... I don't of know. Depends, I guess. Well, no, less men, I suppose. Less men. The benefit less is knowledge of terrain of the area. Yeah. No, I'm thinking that. Yeah, you're probably. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Because um, not many people on a boat. A lot of people in California. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1580, he landed back in Plymouth uh, after buying some spice in the Philippines. That was an interesting detail. I'm not sure why that was important, but I'm thinking it was because Elizabeth or England, England just liked the spice. Well, it was just, this was the beginning of. The spice trade, yeah. the silk road. And I yeah. think that he made quite a bit of money doing that. Um, yeah. And he was generally praised by the by the English people, despite yeah. his dabbling in the slavery. Um, and he was knighted by Elizabeth in 1580. Uh, also, despite his actions against the Spanish military, again, obviously, because England and Spain, not, 
Not in spite of, because, because of. Because of, yeah. Um, so this leads into the war of between Spain and England. Yeah. Uh, because I think you actually went to war properly at, at some point in the yeah. in the 16th century. Many. I think many, many wars. times in okay. the 16th century. Um, and he was... It the, was our hobby. This part, For this part of the <laughs> war, he was given the command of 25 ships mm-hmm. uh, and was frequently sailing between the West Indies and Florida to sack ports and... And do do things. Yeah, at one point Henry VIII was married to a couple of Spanish women, so I don't oh. think it could have been that bad up until. I'm just trying to plan. We fought with France a lot. That happened, yeah, a lot, yeah. Um, but Napoleon... maybe this was the beginning of when we started. Okay, fighting with Spain when, for a good when was Henry a couple of hundred years. King. Uh, but she, he was Elizabeth's dad. Okay, gotcha. So, so right before right this. before this. Okay, um, and he captured several. Uh, ports, Santiago, Cape Verde, uh, Cartagena, St. Augustine, San Domingo, just like all over the place. Sounds like a nice holiday doing, now. Yeah, I mean, he was just in the Caribbean sailing yeah, around. Yeah, sounds like a nice do, holiday now. Doing, yeah. doing pirate stuff. Uh, he conquered the, the entirety of the Spanish fleet in 1588. So a good seaman uh, for all intents and purposes. Um, after winning, uh, he took the military colony in Ro- Roanoke as well. He captured... Huh. Um, that, um, he died in January of 1596. So eight years after his, his, uh, great military accomplishment, mm-hmm. he's fi- only 55. Um, <laughs> he prob- yeah. again, probably looks like he was 90. Yeah. Um, of fever and dysentery, which again, I think living on a ship for 35 years probably leads to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But he was Buried at sea in full military regalia in a lead coffin. Um, so he's down there. So, very, yeah, so he's <laughs> he's walking around the bottom of the ocean, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So to bring it all back around, he's Davy Jones' locker's <laughs> curse, and he's and he's just walking around. No, he is. He's uh, very. Uh, he's a famous folklore in England. Yeah. Um, he, there are certainly a lot. There's a lot written about him. There's a lot of pubs named after him. That makes sense. There's a lot of Francis probably, Drake pubs. Probably a lot down here, I would guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Which, I mean, by the way, the highest form of compliment that the British England, can yeah, give people. Name you after a pub. You can get knighted. You can become the commander of, of her Royal Navy, but you're nobody until they name a pub no. after you. Or several pubs. Yeah. As the case may be. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly it seems like there was a lot more that could be said about his exploits at sea. That was just sort of a... Um, quick rundown of him if you were well you were obviously aware of who he was but a lot of our listeners are american and, and we have, have no, no idea. idea who he was this is what this podcast does it tells you stuff that it's we consider legendary <laughs> and you have no idea about yeah. so therefore and is you, it really legendary why take, are you listening you have to take our word on it um also on uh so i think next week i realized what we we're going to do a popular culture episode Yes. Um, something is going on. So if anyone has anything that's kind of pop culture-y relevant. Yeah, or come back into the, the news. Yeah. Let us know. We got lots of new people listening because of the song Rasputin. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, so they've all gone and found the Rasputin podcast episode. So if you can think of anything like that uh, yeah. that you'd like to actually hear a bit more about, um, let's face it, I could only do so many TikTok trend episodes. So let's face it, we'll talk about anything. Uh, well, yeah, that too. But yeah. Um, yeah, if you have, if you have guys have any suggestions, let us know. We love doing that as well. We love hearing from all of you. 
Yeah. So let us know and rate, review, subscribe, which you never do. So <laughs> feel guilty. Yeah. Shame uh, on all shame. of you. Shame on all of you. All right. We will be back next week. With a new episode. Yay. Bye. Bye.